0: For me, let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side, which flowed, be of sin the double cure. Cleanse me from guilt and power, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling, naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace, Father to the fountain fly, wash me Savior or I die, while I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close. judgment throne rock of ages cleft for me let me hide myself in thee
1: as we continue our study in galatians we're in chapter 1 verse 13 and we're looking at really the whole section from 113 all the way to the end of chapter 2 And what we have here is Paul's testimony. This is one of the most autobiographical sections of all of Paul's letters. And one of the reasons he gives his testimony is because he's giving it to us, not just so he can talk about himself, but as a pattern for imitation. We're supposed to model ourselves after him. He'll often say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But the real question is What exactly are we supposed to imitate? I mean, if we want to have the type of experience that Paul had on the Damascus road, are we supposed to go to Damascus and rent a donkey and ride around on it until we see a blinding light? Is that what we're supposed to imitate? What are we supposed to imitate? So let's think about that. Notice verse 24. And they were glorifying God because of me. That's the point. The point of the testimony is to result in the praise of God. That should be the result, not celebrate himself, not talk about himself. It should result in praising God. And there's a couple things that are going to need to be present in the testimony in order to bring about that result. Do you notice, if you read through this section, the origins the origins of the calling, the origins of grace. Paul goes out of his way to show that it comes from God. It's not something. You have this repeated refrain. He did not receive it from man. He was not taught it. I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood. I did not go up to Jerusalem. It was not according to man. One of the things that means is that the origins is all from grace. That's why revelation is the key. It's independent from human values, not according to man. He now walks to the beat of a different drummer. His path has been reoriented to walk in line with this good news. And so there's a couple keys for understanding this testimony and anyone's testimony. One of the things he's going to go out of his way to show is first, this this remarkable act was not the next step in his journey. Notice how he focuses on how he was progressing in Judaism beyond his contemporaries. And then this radical reorientation by the gospel was not the natural next step. He's totally turned around. And so you have, in one sense, this tension. Because on the one hand, his previous life was essential preparation for his conversion. But his conversion was not gradual. It was a definitive break. And we kind of get this when we have the dramatic testimony stories of someone in obvious, flagrant, open sin, like the prodigal son. And they have this definitive break from their past life. But what does this mean for those who, in essence, are second-generation Christians who grew up in the, in the church, in the shadow of the gospel? They've breathed the air of grace their whole life. What does this mean? Remarkable break look like for them? That's an important question to ask. But that's one of the keys. This was not just the next step in his journey. And another key is that it was completely of God. It began before I was born. And this calling, this act of grace, was not according to man. So we look at these things and think, all right, what actually here are we supposed to imitate? And I think the primary thing that we're meant to imitate is that the revelation of God's Son, this act of Jesus' death, resurrection, ascension, this gospel, this event, is now the supreme authority in Paul's life. It is the supreme category by which he views everything. He now is no longer a Jew who's in, quote-unquote, Judaism. His ethnicity that was the defining feature of his life beforehand, is now no longer the defining feature of his life. They are not the defining lenses by which he views everything. And his ethnicity has not been abolished, but it is now subsumed. He has a greater allegiance. He has a greater identity. And this is the great message. This is a challenge. This is a challenge in our age. We live in a racially charged age where we are being, it's demanded that we view all things through a racial lens. And what Paul's doing here is giving us another lens by which we view ourselves and the world. This, I think, is what we're supposed to imitate. Viewing all of life through the lens of the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. What does it now mean? And all of these categories that we are Tempted or challenged or just assumed are the primary categories to view life. Now, they're not abolished. They're just subsumed. They come under a greater allegiance. So that's the question for us today. How can we have gospel-shaded lenses by which we view everything? Everyone's world, Paul's world, our world, forces upon you lenses to view yourself. His was an ethnocentric way of viewing the world. But when he saw Christ, everything changed. So let's ask the Lord to help us see Christ and may everything change.
0: Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here be Praise him above the heavenly host. Praise Father, Son and Holy.